Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to a slightly overdue edition of the Bench Units podcast because we have been busy not prepping for what we're calling our Paralympics preview edition. Um, we say Paralympics preview, we're going to be focusing exclusively on the wheelchair basketball side of things because despite my ongoing um, set of letters and kind of what do you call them, petitions to get things like wheelchair diving, wheelchair water polo and visually impaired boxing into the Paralympics. None of those things have happened so far. So we're going to stick to good old wheelchair basketball. And I'm joined as always by my co-host who is getting himself onto Tokyo time from the depths of a windowless hotel room in James McSorley. How's it going, man? Uh, yeah, not too bad, thanks. There is a window. I'm just keeping the curtain closed as late as possible in the day to try and shift myself on to Japan time before we go, okay. just as a as a way to sort of but, ease the jet lag when we get over there. But yeah, um, I, feeling good. I was I was quite proud of myself when I thought of visually impaired boxing right there, but I also don't think you're a particularly fair test case given that you've effectively locked yourself in a room and this is your only human contact. I feel like I could have got a laugh out of you with anything at this point. Yeah, you probably everyone listening probably heard me stifle a laugh. At <laughs> that one got me. But yeah, it is funny like going through Paralympic sports and being like, why does the Paralympic version of this not exist? Ah, and it's always like you're like three seconds away from the realization that it just doesn't make any sense you're like why don't they do this in wheelchair oh yeah because you can't get off the ground okay yeah fair enough done like wheelchair rock climbing and um wheelchair long jump were going to be my other suggestions wheelchair long jump where you just have to like hurtle yourself into a barrier <laughs> like, I, think they should, I think they should do all the equestrian stuff but like have two categories where it's like Disabled rider, completely normal horse, and then disabled horse rider. <laughs> like anything like that that requires like bits of equipment, you should do it with like able-bodied people and faulty equipment yeah. <laughs> just for a laugh. But yeah, it's like um, I'm like, not implying that people with disabilities are faulty. I, no, I'm that sorry. <laughs> what you've described there sounds more like the charity shop Olympics rather than the. <laughs> rather than the Paralympics. Not yeah. that you can get horses from a charity shop, obviously, but, you know. You might be able to. I don't know. I've yeah. not, not tried. <laughs> you imagine going to a charity shop and just being a horse wandering around, <laughs> wrecking the joint. Anyway, we've gotten far off topic very early in the proceedings. Yes, we have. Should we talk about the biggest event in the wheelchair basketball calendar. I say calendar, calendars don't do four years. But they yeah. don't. Um, we should also probably say... Calendars. We should probably say before we get into this that we're going to be doing effectively predictions slash general talking about the pool stages and onwards for both the men's and women's competitions. There's 22 teams participating. We would be doing a disservice if we tried to cover off all 22 teams four or five year cycles to get to this event. So no offense to anybody who doesn't get the same depth of coverage as anybody else. It's just a matter of trying to hit what we feel like are the, the crucial points of the tournament on both sides. And if we end up giving the 11th, 12th place game less coverage than kind of the medal games, that's just kind of the nature of this. So no offence intended on any front, and we'll give everyone as much of a shout as we can. 
yeah man if if we let you if we let you down on any particular front in terms of our knowledge on certain parts of the game come on the podcast and yeah. teach us yeah or if we don't call you to do particularly well or get the medal rounds or whatever feel free to prove us wrong because it'll make the event that much more interesting also it's not that serious it's two guys yes. talking about wheelchair basketball at like 12 o'clock on a tuesday like you know what I mean? <laughs> and it's taken you being locked in a room for days on end for us to even get our finger out and do this yes um yeah i think that's the big thing like on, on any of this stuff like predictions are fun yeah, cool. yeah whatever if you disagree either yeah fine or tell us or don't yeah <laughs> like, Every, everyone will be fine ultimately yeah. i should probably say for the sake of like social media interactions and stuff let us know but like also don't yeah. <laughs> let, let us know if you actually want to talk about it if you feel completely like you can hear what we've got to say and shrug it off you're probably more than valid in that opinion side yeah um right. cool let's do it should we hit the women's side of things first because i've been a i used yesterday to kind of get uh, get up to speed on this as much as i can from my covert source of women's wheelchair basketball knowledge before she headed tokyo i think the, some of the women are flying today aren't they from the gb uh, yes yeah there are some people leaving today Working. absolutely so yeah do you want to do you, do you want to go hold on actually i've got the groups in front of me just yeah for the sake of me reading something out that's so, true on one side of the women's groups, we have Canada, Australia, GB, Germany, and Japan. And the other group is USA, China, Netherlands, Spain, and Algeria. Okay, so five team groups means that effectively one team on each side doesn't get through to the quarterfinal. Uh, do you have, out of those pools you read, do you have a bold call to make on any of the big guns not making it through to the quarterfinal because that seems fairly unlikely at this stage I would say um, depends do you think the top two in both groups are big guns or top three or top four like you don't know um, I think group A I think Canada GB and Germany are kind of a tier of, of their own yeah. I think on the other side the USA and the Netherlands are probably above everybody else and then oh, China were China were great at the last worlds. Yeah, I star power wise, I'd go USA and Netherlands over China. I think yeah. China China are kind of the worst pool team to have because they give everybody a tough game. And ultimate ultimately they are like way more competitive than they look and will probably end up third or fourth. And I don't see them being good enough to give everyone anyone a hard time in the crossover game. China? Yeah, I, I think China finished fourth. I don't see them sticking it to Canada, for example. Let's say for argument's sake, Canada finished first in Group A because they're at the top of the list you just read off. Okay. Maybe maybe I'm, um, I don't know, maybe I'm not giving them enough credit. I think the other teams have more defined hierarchy and players where I think China are solid throughout and that's probably good for pool play and probably not so great for crossovers. Yeah, they were fourth at world. Sorry, I was just looking that up to make sure yeah. I have that correct. But like I it's I don't really remember them doing anything massive before twenty eighteen in world. So this would be interesting to see if that was something they're yeah. gonna build on or if that was kind of the peak. But yeah, I 
I don't know. Maybe they'll prove me wrong. I maybe it's name recognition that kind of gives gives me a level of bias towards some of the other teams where I know more of the, you know, more of the standout players. I still think the Netherlands and the USA are probably a class above everybody else until proven otherwise. Yeah, I would think so, definitely. Um, but I just wonder if China coming third in that group is enough to cause anyone some trouble in a crossover. Yeah. Say if GB Canada Germany. Yeah. whichever of those comes second yeah i mean the the gv canada game is our women's team's first one and that's gonna be that's like a mad one to open on because it has some serious rest of the tournament implications riding on it yeah massively especially like because that could be a game that it's like it's obviously it's going to be decided by who's the better team but there could also be a little bit a little bit of like who's more ready like who's been playing yeah who's, for sure Who's yeah, not lagged? Who's ready for the tournament stuff? Yeah, and I think this, this we'll end up touching on this across both competitions. But um, I think there's a there's a real mystery box element to this whole thing because so many of the teams ha- outside of like the Dutch bubble that we talked about when we last recorded, so many of the teams we either haven't had any prep games or haven't had any prep games that have been kind of live streamed or made available for watching so every team is almost like a mystery entity in and of itself um so basically everybody's got the element of surprise on everyone and the first i have a feeling the first couple of days of the pool stage until there's actually footage out there could be just carnage in terms of what going against expectations yeah like there is a certain like there are like world-class teams and it's more likely on the women's stage because they don't have as many opportunities to play professional club stuff. Yeah. Like there are certainly units that haven't played together. There are players that probably haven't played games apart yeah. from scrimmages in training for the guts of two years. And there are like maybe full national teams that haven't been able to meet up until this summer or yeah. haven't been able to play fives or, you know what I mean? So like, it could be like, some of it could be who's gotten together, who's had a really good summer rather than like a weird continuous like who's had four good years of prep. It's like, all right, who's been able to get back together this summer and yeah. get a good bit of work in like that could be, that could be really relevant. And, and it kind of, it's the way things have had to be because like who's keeping people safe. But um, yeah, man, also there's the weird element of it of like, I just hope everyone, I hope all teams get there with 12. Like, yeah, I hope, sure. I hope I hope we don't have a game where it's like, ah, this person's phone pinged from yeah. being near someone, so they are waiting on a result, so they're not able to play this really important group game, and therefore it's over. Like, yeah, fingers crossed. That's I just want like everyone to play. Yeah, we're we're doing this kind of pr- predictions set on the idea that everybody will be available to play. Obviously, that's not one hundred percent guaranteed given the the state of the world right now. Yeah, but um, I, I I think looking at how, how the Olympics went, obviously it's a bit different to Paralympics and everyone's yeah. got different health stuff going on, but like they were able to kind of get that going without any real issues. Sure. So, yeah, I think I'm going to call, I think Canada get a win against the GB girls in the first game and I think Canada ultimately end up finishing top of the pool. GB Germany in some order. I would like to see GB finish second so they avoid a crossover with either the USA or the Netherlands because I think those two finish top two in that pool. And I also think, well, between them, they have the 
I don't know if you're going to argue with me here, but between the USA and the Netherlands, they have the top two women's players in the world. I am certainly not going to argue with you about that. We might argue about the order, but I don't know. Yeah, I I think, um, obviously, this is something we've been into a few times with various guests and stuff, but I think Rose is potentially, obviously, top two women's player in the world, depending on your view, and has also, like you say, played games all year. And I think that's a a pretty lethal combo. Um, Yeah, 100%. So, yeah, potentially edge to the USA over the tournament as a whole, but also the Netherlands have been centralised this entire time um, and have been training together kind of full on and going five on five for like nearly a year now. So that's done, obviously done them some good, you would think. Um, Yeah, I see in terms of the groups, I think Australia and Algeria are the ones that don't make the quarterfinals. Obviously, Australia have had their issues with losing Annabelle Lindsay with the classification stuff. Yeah. and yeah, I think I see if we assume we're going to get through semi-finals wise, who do you see being the four teams left standing? Um, Canada, GB, uh, USA, Netherlands. Yeah, that's my call as I well. I think so. I think whoever comes second in Group A is going to have a weird tough game against China, yeah. but I, I would say GB to finish second and sort of take it away. Yeah. Um, from there. There's think, also like there's also a slight GB bias from like knowing the guys. Yeah, I think I think there is. I think um ultimately the best thing that can happen for either GB or Canada is to, we've touched on it a second ago, but to win the first <laughs> game because I think just from stylistically or whatever, I think both of those teams would potentially rather play the US in the semi rather than play the Netherlands because I don't think either of those teams has the size and physicality to to match up with the Dutch. Um, I think that's it. Wigs, I think we've just touted the USA as potentially the um, having the best player in the tournament and potentially being the best team in the tournament. But I think it's a styles make fights thing in that. I don't think GB or Canada would be thrilled at the prospect of physically battling the Netherlands for a place in the final. Yeah, I think that's the thing where it's like you're looking at USA or the Netherlands and it's like, well, the USA won in Rio, but with a very different team. Yeah. And I, it's kind of, I imagine they haven't really played that many games, but I imagine it's it's obviously the the different look is okay. Rose Holloman has been absolutely unbelievable yeah. in Spain for two years now, um, so like she might be the best women's player in the world. But what we do know is that the Netherlands have been the best team in the world for years. So I don't know if you know I don't know if you take that bet of like trying to not play the USA so that you could run into the Netherlands who have beaten you a load of times already. Like, yeah. you know what I mean, I wonder if you'd still fancy your chances against all the other not Rose Hollerman Team USA players, which is no disrespect to them. But, you know, I just, you know, I still think avoiding the Netherlands until the final is the move. And I'm sure a lot of teams would agree. Yeah, I, I definitely think so. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's, Looking at this as compared to like past women's competitions, I think you see even with you stumping for China here. Um, Not really, but <laughs> like, like you did the 
depth of the competition is way more than it used to be. Um, and it's kind of, obviously, the last competition you met, mentioned was the 2018 Worlds where the USA took their, you know, their kids group, essentially. So they're, they won the Paralympics last time out and then basically have had almost five years off from, um, from world-level competitions. So between the um, between kind of the Canada GB Germany side in Group A, and then we've obviously mentioned USA Netherlands China as being to be reckoned with. And from my conversations with Amy the other day, she's also said that Spain are the type of team to give other teams problems if it comes down to it, just with kind of size and shooting. And they've obviously got a couple of women who play in the play in the Spanish league. Yeah. So there's even. I think it's maybe a long shot at this point, but I think there's even the potential for a Spain upset in the in the quarterfinals, Ooh, which that'd be fun. Actually, could throw a wrench for sure. Um, if Spain can get up to, if Spain can get up to three rather than four, well, no, I don't know. I think they might. Like Canada GB is kind of one A one B. Yeah, like that game, like that group is topped probably by whoever wins that first game as you say although germany could in theory figure yeah out. I, that group's chaos i can't wait to watch i'm a little bit hesitant on germany just because i would have thought that having seen them play in the dutch bubble that would make me favor them a little bit because they've played friendly games maybe it's a symptom of them playing the netherlands but they didn't look overly convincing in the friendly games they've had so i think i would naturally put them maybe a tier below Canada and GB in that group. Um, but yeah, I mean, like the the Germany-Spain thing, if it configures that way, could be one of the crossovers in the quarters. And then I don't think either team on the other side, because obviously Germany play similar size and um, style to the Netherlands or whatever. I don't think like even potentially the USA would be thrilled about a Germany crossover. No. So I think it's... Yeah, I mean, there's so there's so many moving parts again because we've not seen, um, we've not seen so many of these teams. But I think there's almost the kind of three favourites in each group, and then there's a very with Germany and Spain on each side. There's a very real dark horse, and it. I get the feeling any of this could be chaos. I, the more I look at it as we sit here and talk, the less convinced I am by what I've initially predicted. Yeah, the one thing about Spain is I wonder if they'd much rather play Canada than GB in terms of like if they're a bit like their whole and I don't know how much they've changed, but their whole thing in 2018 was like get the ball over in 23 and a half seconds, get it to one of their bigs who would like make a really tough post up. And I wonder if GB could just press the life out of them for 40 minutes. Yeah. And wonder if that kills it. I'm not saying Canada couldn't, but I wonder if they'd rather play a team that they weren't convinced would yeah. press them for that long. But I don't know. I think if you're trying to get into that fourth, like third, fourth spot in the group, you're just trying to get in there and then you play your crossover. You know what I mean? Like yeah. there's no jockeying for position if yeah, you're yeah. trying to get to fourth. Get in, get safe and see what comes from it. Yeah. So if we were to go, we've obviously talked about uh, who we think would make the semis right there. If, we assume, like we say, that um, we think Australia and Algeria will be the teams that don't make it through to the quarterfinals. How do you rank your eight to end the women's competition? Oh, in order. Um, yep. So let me see. I play this out as um, I'm going to back GB to top that group. Right. 
um so i'll go gb canada um germany japan yeah um so that would be i'm just trying to like do the crossovers in my head um So the semifinals would end up some combination of probably GB playing the USA or the Netherlands. I'd say GB play USA, Canada play the Netherlands. And that will be a Netherlands final against... Ooh, I don't know. You see, my real problem with creating the USA is like, I know that Rose Holliman is just like an, an, an all-timer already, yeah. but I really, no disrespect, don't know anyone else. And Rose, if and when you listen to this, I would like you to give me the information necessary. It just out of there not being a whole lot to watch online. I know they had yeah. some scrimmages against like a... The American juniors. Junior team, but I really, it's really hard to like grade what level that team is based on not having a clue how good the guys they're playing against are yeah. but um yeah i'll go uh i will go a netherlands usa final yeah that was my call as well um obviously there's a there's a look where if gb get the usa in a crossover rather gb coming first and trying to get the usa in a crossover <laughs> is the whole thing like yeah. try not to get the netherlands until the final has been the move for the last four years but at least still yeah. is although obviously if usa top the group then it's you know yeah <laughs> the other way around like yeah i think that's i'm i'm in on the netherlands and usa final as well i think i would go just out of respect for what they've done in the last few years i think netherlands for gold usa for silver and I have a feeling just based on, I don't know, we'll just call it my instincts. I have a feeling GB lose to Canada in the first group game to start the tournament off and then beat Canada for the bronze medal. I think that's how it pans out. I'm not 100% sure what I'm basing that on, but I feel good in that prediction. I could see it. Yeah. Um, I could see it. I'd like it. Obviously, I want our, I want our girls to... To bring a medal home, yeah. obviously, and I'm biased in that regard, and I'm sure you are too, knowing and liking at least a handful of them. <laughs> and wouldn't go that far. Um, I don't know. Um, yeah, no, Amy. Uh, um, yeah, no, I could, I could see it, and I think the thing is as well is like we probably come off as like slightly disrespecting the women's game, at least in part, but some of it is there's just not as much being shown. Like I've seen. Yeah. Every men's nearly every about eighty percent of the men's players that are going to have an impact on this tournament have been playing in Europe. Yeah, yeah, that. So I've been able to see them where there's only a handful of the women's players that have been out there, and they've all been absolutely smashing it. And my sort of predictions are based on the players that I know. Like, yeah. if, if any Canadian women's players are listening to this and they have any issues with what, what we've said, yeah. Sorry, and get in touch. Yeah, we'll, we'll close the... Um, I, I spoke to you about this just before we hit record, but we'll close the women's bit on this because I got sent on the um, Instagram post from one of the Canadian players who described their team as having 11 MVPs. And it took me a long, long time of looking at that photo to realise that they're only taking 11 players to the tournament. I thought there was just 11 people they deemed MVP worthy and one that wasn't. But That'd be hilarious. 
Fortunately, we've not had to litigate that. <laughs> so, yeah, I think I feel pretty good in our predictions for the women's side of things. It's, I think I'm I'm way more invested in watch the, watching the women this time out than I usually are. Just usually I'm just because it feels like there's so many more questions to be answered. I think in the past it's been kind of Germany, Netherlands, USA at the top scrapping for the medals, and then everybody else some distance behind at the very least. And I don't think that's so much the case this time out. Yeah. It's good, man. I, I can't wait to yeah. I can't wait to watch both sides of the game now, which is which is exciting. And it's been the case for the last couple of years for me. But like yeah, no, it's it's all yeah. very exciting. I think there are like as you say, there are more there are more teams involved this year. Yeah. That are like quality and could actually get it done, which is very, very exciting. I just think a lot of my lack of information is based on the fact that I've seen, obviously I've seen GB firsthand and then I've seen two well, you, other teams play this summer. You've probably, you've probably also seen Rose in training every day for the last two years and been like, oh yeah, gold medal for her. No yeah, worries. I've just like, I've rebounded for Rose and been like, you shot what percentage? Okay, <laughs> that's the same number you said yesterday. Okay, I, fair enough. Yeah. Yeah, that's um, quite a high number, Rose. But yeah, no, I've just I've just seen enough of Rose play that it's like if what she did for Gran Canaria the last two years translates to the women's game, and obviously it's going to be a very different role because she only had the ball in her hands to shoot it, which is like the most efficient way yeah. <laughs> to sort of use her talents in the way we played and the players we had last year. But if she can do that, with the ball in her hands more slash all the time, it, it might just be over. Yeah. Like, I don't know. No. It's, it's a completely different skill set, but I am team give her the ball, give her, give her the ball on the halfway line and set picks. Like that would be the, um, imagine if the USA who've always played like very on both the men's and women's side, imagine if the USA just went full on, like Rose is James Harden slash Osgo Gerbalak. <laughs> it's like, Hey, Everybody set four picks on every offense and let's get layups or open shots out of this. Yeah, they always like they like to play a certain way. They play they play the old man basketball, yeah. don't they? Uh, but like, I, that, that, like Oscar was my was my thought, and it's like obviously I don't know if you want to do that for forty minutes. Like I don't know if I like that style of basketball. But Rose has been so good for two years that yeah. I just want at least like I wanted like a little stretch in one of their warm up games where. Trooper Johnson was like, Rose, here's the ball. Everyone else, go. Like, like we had um scrimmages last year in Grand Canaria. Um, that we were like game planning for certain people who like ran their team. So we would just do that sort of thing where we'd like scrimmage against each other and each team would be like designated, okay, this is like you are this person, you're the number one on this team. Yeah. And we have to jump you on the halfway line. And when we ran it with her, it was like, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> like, a size six in her hand and just like go. Yeah. Wicked. I think we've probably wrapped enough about Rose taking over the world. We can probably wrap up on the um the women's side of things. Yeah. Shall we shift to the men's side of things? Yes. Okay. So in the men's side, there are there are more teams in each group. So Group A is Canada, Korea, Spain, Turkey, Colombia, and Japan. 
And Group B is the USA, Australia, GB, Germany, Algeria, and Iran. Thoughts? To you there. I think that Group A is probably, it seems extremely disrespectful to call a uh, group containing Canada, who are historically successful, Spain, who are the reigning Paralympic vice champions, and Turkey, who've been good at every international competition for the last 20 years, virtually. It feels like a shot at them to call that the weaker group, but Group B is stacked up with the top four teams from the last World Championships. So I'd say that gets the nod as the tougher group. I would say so. Here is a very weird question straight out of the straight out of the gate. Could you see a world in which all four teams in Group B win their quarterfinals? Um, I don't know. Not not that it will happen, but like, is well, it more than like one percent chance? Are we going on the idea that the four teams that make the quarterfinals are the four teams? that we would expect based on the world's result or are you throwing me in Germany beat Iran or something like that? Whatever you want. Like if Germany beat Iran, they deserve to be right. in this. You know what I mean? Yeah. Okay. That's well, a strong enough group that either of those teams could qualify third or fourth. Like, well, I'm going to be controversial and say Germany aren't going to beat Iran. Um, so let's have a look. I'm just going to stick it all together. So I'm going to, just for the sake of what I'm reading right now, I'm going to say the order of Group B is USA, Australia, GB, and Iran, because that stops me having to juggle things around in my head. So let's have a look. Let's say, what do you think the order for Group B is? It's some combo of Canada, Spain, Turkey, and then Japan, I think, are the four teams. Group A, you mean? Group A, sorry, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Spain, Turkey, Japan, Korea in some order. You're calling Korea instead of Canada? Oh, sorry, I meant to say Canada. I was just reading. Um, (laughs) That that was a big call to just gloss over. (laughs) No. um, Right, okay, let's do this. Spain, Turkey. Spain, Spain top. Yep. Turkey or Japan second? I'm going to go Turkey second just out of respect for what they've done in previous years i think japan Japan is very tough yeah japan are my dark horse for the men's competition but i think you have to give the nod to turkey in terms of finishing because they've proved it over enough years and have all the chem thing sucks but they've also done it with enough lineups over the years that i think they get the nod even without oscar and stuff and ishmael r has just like taken a leap in terms of being like a Perimeter threat now and stuff. So leap to a two and a half. Um, it's always been a two and a half. <laughs> <laughs> right. So let's say it goes Spain, Turkey, and then we'll go Japan and Canada just for argument's sake. Okay. So USA versus Canada. I think we've seen that enough times in recent years to say the USA are going to get that one. Australia, Japan. I. But I think Australia's three threes lineup. Yeah, that's like a. It's like an anti-Japan task force, isn't it? But I, I think that might be the least surprising. If Japan did get the upset there, I wouldn't be stunned because mm-hmm. 
they just seem difficult, especially because Australia play that three threes lineup, but they still rely on bigs at every stage of every lineup they use. And Japan might be able yeah. to, might have something to say about that. So that gives us a Turkey and GB two three. Oh I, man, I would. I think logic would dictate GB as a stronger team. However. Turkey love a GB crossover game more than life itself. Yes. Um, that one, I think, is way more up for debate than I think that's like the the first team in the world rankings versus the seventh or eighth team in the world rankings. But I don't think that in any way is reflective of what that game could be. No. Also, have you put us third in the group because that's the way you've read it? Or does that is that what you actually think? Um, I've put that third in the group because I just read them from top to bottom, but I also think that's a plausible way that it could pan out. Oh, yeah. So yeah. I'm just, I'm, I'm in no way making that a hard and fast prediction. I've just put the USA and Australia top two because they were top two on the list. And okay, that, that puts GB third. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I would go home and nod to GB right here, but. It, that game could be a scrap. It, I mean, the last time you guys played, you went there, were you? And it was the Europeans, but it was like 95 to 80 something. Yeah, 90 something, 84, wasn't it? Yeah, like I, don't know if, yeah. I don't know if it'll be that again, but it could be similarly. Like 95, 84 is not the score of the best team in the world versus the eighth team in the world. No, no. Um, yeah, so I will give GB the nod but that's going to be a hectic game. And then even Spain versus Iran, I obviously that's first versus fourth place in the group, but I wouldn't be like, oh, there's no way Iran can deal with Spain. Do you, I guess the question there is, do you think the Iran finishing fourth thing from three years ago is a flash in the pan and that was their peak? Because I don't see them being any better than they were. Here's my thing. I thought that was an overachievement considering that Vahid wasn't there. Yeah, that's a good point. Although Vahid, Vahid, who has just like gone to Champions Cup and like torn through it. Yeah. Like, um, that, was, that was wild. So uh, while I think that was a surprise to me at the time, I could also, like also if they did it again, that would also be a surprise this time. But like, Vahid is a factor, man. Yeah. Like, oh my God. Well, he, He's not just like giant and therefore good, like he's good and also a giant. Yeah. I think that that's probably what it comes down to is like the, I can't remember the guy's name, um, the four and a half who played a lot instead of Vahid, um, plays for Fenerbahce now, I think. But um, he was like playing hero ball the entire tournament and he was, he made like huge shots the entire time. And I think that was his, he played at his ceiling for the entire tournament basically. And I, I think, like you say, it would be a surprise if he did that again, for sure, because I, <laughs> I don't think there's a huge body of evidence to say he'll do that tournament in and tournament out. But yeah. I also think probably Vahid's floor or middle like, average performance is probably a lot closer to that guy's ceiling than, you know, that's you could get consistent production from Vahid at that level. Yeah. Um, and I also think as big and physical as Spain are, they they're big across the board in like an even spread of size, but they don't have anybody to match up to some of the Iranian bigs. Yeah. 
Yeah. So basically the, the thing is like could but might not happen is is the whole thing. Yeah. Um, I guess the question with Spain is do they pick on Iran play two lows all the time? Do it are Spain good enough at picking on the Iranian lows that they get by offensively? I think so. Yeah. I, like, think- I don't I don't think what I said does happen. I'm just like this is the first time that there's no like this is the first time that it's like I wouldn't be like I can't believe that happened. Like that's not yeah. like a massive shock if if it does end up happening. I don't as I say once again, I'm not sure it does, but like sure. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um so yeah, I don't know. I think that four teams from group B winning the quarterfinals could ha- very easily could happen, but there's also definitely at least three games in there that the teams in Group A are good enough that they might just win it anyway. Like the fact that Australia, Japan is a talking point. Maybe Yannick will come back on here and yell at us for even even suggesting that. But yeah, I don't know. It you don't look at it. Although all the talent seems to be concentrated in Group B, you don't look at any one of those games and be like, oh, that's a whitewash. Yeah, Turkey can show up and Oscar can just have 30 and they can beat anyone. Same with Pat, in theory. Like, if he's still on, like, he can still do it. Spain have proven yeah. that they can be there we- for a week and win a medal. And Japan, home games, really, really well prepared, in great shape always. Like, also really, really well ran. Like, they could just... Pre- like, imagine... You're just kind of still getting used to it. You're just scraping through that absolute group of death, and then you get yeah. pressed for forty minutes. Yeah, the um, team that have had like home games level of funding behind their prep. Yeah, I I wonder with Japan because kind of sit maybe conversely to what we said about the women's game. While we've not seen any prep games from any of these national teams really outside of Spain and Germany playing at the the Dutch bubble. Um, all the individual players have been playing league games, more or less. You know, everybody in Spain, everybody, you know, so many Americans and British guys dotted around and Aussies here and there and whatever. Um, Japan have just, like, hidden themselves away and worked on what they're going to do. So they're, like, the one team that really is just a complete black box. Into You know, they could have all, they could have all leveled up beyond belief and nobody will be ready for it because no one's seen even any of their players knocking around in the leagues anywhere. Yeah, like the two young midpointers, the two five and the three, could just yeah. both be like could have just taken that leap to world class in the last year. Like because they've kind of they've all gone back and centralized, haven't they? That was the yeah. whole thing. So yes. they kind of did what GB did pre-worlds. And yeah. like not everyone, but like a lot of guys yeah. went back and just got in the lab and to be fair, like they might, yeah, they might with that level of support that they'll have behind them financially as a lot of home teams get before games, like they could really all have taken a leap and a absolutely good luck to whoever has to find that out. (laughs) Could be us, man. Like, Um, because they could finish anywhere. I think they it's the combination of they could finish nearly anywhere in that group. And obviously group B could finish in any sort of weird order. So like, Good luck to whoever crosses over there. I think figuring out the crossovers is near impossible. Yeah, I think it's even just looking at the schedule now, it's going to be something of a, a wait and see game because Japan have got Colombia in their first game, which I think even pre this level of 
you know, Japan kind of go going dark on the um, on the rest of the world. I think we would have expected a Japan win over Colombia, and then they've got Korea in their second game. So there's going to be like two games against teams we would have expected them to beat anyway. And then they play Canada game three. And I actually, I think you can make the argument that they're, they're a better matchup for Canada because Canada struggled mobility-wise outside of kind of their two top guys. Yeah. I can't remember the result from the Worlds, but they def- Japan and Canada definitely played each other at the Worlds. Um, and yeah, so it could, we could, in theory, be three games in. For J- on a Japan run, and they'll have like beaten two teams they're probably better than, and then beaten one team that they matched up well against, and then they're going to have Spain and Turkey in the last two games, and that could be kind of the point at which everybody realizes what they're up against. This is all theoretical. Japan might be exactly the same as they've been for the last ten years, where they kind of hover around ninth or tenth place in the world, but we might theoretically be halfway through the pool stages until anyone figures out what we're up against. Yeah. Which is interesting to watch at the very least. Um, touching on Canada very quickly, we kind of wrote them off as a, a loss to the USA in the crossovers potentially, but Canada kind of have top-end talent and then have struggled for support outside of that. Do you see a, a roadmap if Canada are able to finish, say, second or third in their group? Do you see a roadmap to Canada winning a quarterfinal or do you think they're too shallow uh, I mean they could like I think that's the thing with like absolute top end talent it's just like is Pat Pat for 40 minutes Yeah, like he's he's still the old timer Yeah, but can like historically they haven't been able to get it done since 2012 really yeah. um so I don't think so. There's a weird one where it's like, I don't think it happens, but can it? Um, I think if like, it's the thing of like, if they top their group, they could probably get past Germany or Iran, but yeah, I don't that, think they're going to top their group. So I don't think they get past any of no, USA, really. I think going back to what we just said about Japan, I think the common factor of the teams we think they'll struggle against is like five versus five mobility, isn't it? Yeah, that's the thing where it's like you could legitimately, you could also just like put two on a pat and hope for the best. Like, and it might work for 40 minutes. But uh, but there's maybe a world that like one of the big guns in Group B messes up and Germany or Iran gets to three and Canada managed to get to two and then they might be in business. But like, it's that thing of like both groups are a bit weird and I don't know what order that I would think they'd be sort of lining up into. So I don't really know. Like, I don't know if I could sit here as a Canada coach and right now and be like, Hey, we need to aim for this spot to get this team because I have no idea what the other groups going to look like. Yeah. But no, I don't, I wouldn't call Canada against any of the bigger three teams in the other group. Fair enough. I think that that makes complete sense and you've justified that pretty well. I don't know if there's any argument back against that really. Other than that, what, do you have what great podcasting, good argument, sound well, well, well justified, done. Um, <laughs> but 
I don't know, like, could you see it? Like, could you see Pat and Nick both go absolutely nuclear for 40 minutes and beat Australia or us or the US? Um, I think each of those teams has enough to like... Put yeah, I, I, don't th- I don't think Canada have enough. I think the... If you could... If we were playing half-court basketball and it was, you know you get the ball back and you play from the three-point line inwards, I think I could call a, a Canada upset over one of those teams on the right day, but I don't think they can play full court down with the more mobile teams. No, can't say it. So um, I guess this, this brings, we've kind of hit group A there. Um, this brings us to group B, which is obviously what you're training the, um, training the binoculars on at this point. So, for anyone who doesn't know, you're going to be going to Tokyo as one of these teams that we've predicted to finish in the top four. What are you kind of looking at standings-wise or individual games-wise where you're saying, oh, I hope such and such happens or I hope we catch these guys coming off a loss, for example, or any anything to that effect, any game within the game kind of stuff? Um, I'll be very honest and very boring and say no. So our first two games are Algeria and then Germany. So it's get out there, get used to everything, get going and see what happens. Obviously, the whole thing is, the whole thing in the Paralympics is get to a semi-final and you've got a chance to win a medal. Yeah. Um, lose in a quarterfinal and you're in trouble and we feel pretty good about any crossover. Yeah, for sure. The other group, but... In terms of the absolute, in terms of the actual group play, like we've seen Germany play, yeah, and that's it. Like the US are going to look different. Um, I think the Australians are going to still run with their four three threes and a one stuff. And do you see the US looking hugely different? No, not massively, but like as in, I don't have any reason to think that they're going to play the exact same five. Like. Right. If you look at the last time we saw them in an actual tournament, like as in we played against them, like Jared's not there anymore, yeah. who started for them. Um, they've got different ones. Um, got a couple of new guys in the team. Jorge's made the team. Shout out to Jorge. He doesn't listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know what I mean? Like they've got, like I don't, I don't see any reason that they would be running anything that we would think they, you know what I mean? Like yeah, I don't, fair enough. we haven't seen anything to, go off but like well, obviously we know how those guys all play and we know they're all world-class guys and the same with Australia we kind of know how they how they want to run stuff um but it's just we have no we have no further information so it's like show up and I think we have the benefit of playing the two other teams in inverted commas yeah. first um before we get into that so we can kind of see what they're doing and they can see us as well so yeah. it works both ways but it is just really weird not having any any prior information to go yeah. on apart from like two years ago. And even yeah, now, I mean, looking at like USA qualified for this in the Parapans playing and full of teams that are in that sort of lower level. Yeah. So and also that was two years ago as well. So like yeah, sure. that's a different team as well. Yeah, it's um I think it's one thing that's kind of interesting for you guys, like you've said the US are going to be perhaps a little bit stylistically tweaked. Um, Australia are going to be mostly the same as that lineup they settled into. Um, 
a couple of years ago, and Yannick even talked about that when he was on here and said that's kind of the the lineup they see carrying them forward. Um, like it should be. Yeah. And I was talking to someone about them earlier or yesterday, and I was saying the cool thing about Australia, and I don't mean it as like a good or a bad thing. I just think it's cool that it's like first lineup, a four, three threes, and a one, very mobile. Okay, standard second lineup, three bigs, two ones. Yeah. Like completely different look, completely different style of play. Like I I I think that's cool. And I yeah. think it's interesting just as someone who likes thinking about basketball. Yeah. No. Like I think that's a great lineup, or I think it's a bad one, or I yeah. just like, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, well, not enough teams really leverage that, do they? I mean, we've I think we've even spoken about it like able-bodied basketball and NBA-wise before, where it's like, why have the Spurs been good in every regular season ever? Because they play one way in with like their starting unit, and then they accept that their second lineup probably isn't as talented as their first unit, so they play a completely different style for like six to eight minutes at a time, and teams aren't ready for it in a regular season. And in Australia's case, teams probably aren't ready for it because there's no video of them playing any time recently. Yeah, um, yeah I mean, the, the Aussie thing, I don't know how different they are, and that probably leaves GB as... Obviously, given that there's been some people who have pulled out of the tournament for personal reasons and whatever, GB probably has the most of a different look among the kind of, I imagine Iran will run back their group from a couple of years ago, plus Vahid. So you guys, reigning world champions, are actually probably adapting on the fly slightly more than the other teams are, which is a, you know, a important spot to be in, I suppose. Is there any amongst your group of guys, is there much thought about how that will affect things or is there enough base level of confidence that you just go in and handle business? Uh, yeah, I think obviously we look a bit different this year as well, which is the big thing. Like we're going in as world champions and European champions or whatever, but we're also missing two guys that started yeah. in our last couple of years. So we're going to look very different. And it's like people have kind of, probably thought about it in both ways where they've gone oh i don't know those guys are missing a lot of pieces but then also like if you look at who we've got top to bottom we're still one of the most talented if not the most talented group going yeah for sure um, certainly like the absolute like the like our top level guys are still absolutely unbelievable so like i, I don't know i think we're kind of it's it's been really weird as well because our whole focus has been on us all summer because we haven't played against anyone so it's been like we've been scrimmaging against each other and playing against each other and we've been thinking about how to make ourselves better and how to stop the five that we're scrimmaging against but who are our teammates so you have times coming away from scrimmages being like ah i can't believe i can't stop that guy and you're like oh well that's probably a good thing (laughs) you know i mean you come off being like i just don't know how we could possibly defend this guy oh he's on our team okay yeah (laughs) so in that way like it's it's been a really strange like challenging summer and i guess as good as i feel like we're playing you kind of have to go out and play against someone else to really see if it works like but no, I feel very good about how our prep's going. And and like I still think we have enough talent to get it get it all done, even if it is it is a different group. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So we kind of I 
very arbitrarily stuck the teams in the, the top four order because I, it was just the order I read them off. Do you, with that in mind, and that you guys, are, you obviously still have all the talent in place, but you are a different group and you've only only played against each other, like you say, do you see yourselves, for example, hitting the ground running and topping Group B straight off the bat, or do you think it's going to be more of a slow burn in the group stage and, and optimise as the you know as the tournament goes on um i don't know to be honest that's the thing like the whole thing is i don't know what i don't know yet like i i could see us i wouldn't be surprised obviously if we got there and it was like oh yeah this is a really good group and we are playing very well and whatever but now i could see us kind of warming up gradually and as long as we're ready for the quarterfinals we're in business you know what i mean get there get a decent crossover go from there because even you look at rio was kind of like we had australia in the quarterfinals man like that was that was a tough look world's kind of the same wasn't it spain in the quarters yeah i believe so that was actually germany Germany in the first crossover spain in the quarters yeah i think people forget about um people forget about worlds but that quarterfinal game with spain was actually really close wasn't it terry hit a three at the with like a half a minute and a half left or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Some, something something down yeah. the stretch. Yeah. Terry came Terry came up big in that game as, yeah. as he gets to do when it matters. Um when the lights are on. But um yeah, legend. But um yeah, look, I wouldn't be surprised if it takes everyone a little bit of time to especially because international basketball hasn't been a thing for a while. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if it took everyone a little while to sort of get into things and you saw some weird sort of results in the first couple of games and the for in the group in the whole group stages even so i don't know i i have no idea is a very boring but very real answer <laughs> we're good um so we i guess we've covered everything unless there's any more teams you want to dive into in depth the last few minutes here um uh, nah okay <laughs> do you have any predictions and that's why i was going well, I, I don't. Guess. I don't want to make predictions because I'm involved, and I'll either be biased or I'll try and underplay my bias. Right. So okay. I will be. I will be biased. You know what right. I mean. Okay. Um. We'll go with the. We'll go with the groups that we said before. Then I'm going to slot you guys in third simply because, I think the two team, the USA and Australia, have probably more continuity among, uh, their groups that they're bringing, and that might help them in the pool stage more than it would necessarily benefit you guys. Um, so I'm going to go, let's have a look. USA beats Canada in the crossover. Yep. Australia beats Japan in the crossover. GB beats Turkey in the crossover. I'm going to go Spain beats Iran. Yeah, I think so. Um, although I would not be in any way shocked if that was the other way around. Um, so what does that give us? That gives us a USA does that give you you guys the USA in the semis that's right isn't it yeah if we come third that gives us yeah okay and then Spain Australia I'm gonna say Australia probably beats Spain I am gonna flip a coin as to whether you guys are in a place to beat the USA by then I think the results prior will probably dictate that sure in terms of how ready you guys are. 
I, for argument's sake, and to not upset you this close to competition, I'm going to go GB Australia final and USA Spain bronze game. Um, Although, again, I would be in no way shocked if the USA beat GB in that semi-final because that is... uh, that could be the final right there, realistically. I, th- I think that should, I think that might end up being the final, but obviously groups. Yeah. Yeah, so let's go. I think if you guys made the final, I think whoever wins out of you guys in the USA probably beats Australia. Yeah. Um, so we'll go GB first, Australia second, USA third, Spain fourth, and then I've lost track of what happened on the, the flip sides of all those quarterfinals, so we'll I'll stop the predictions there because otherwise I'll probably get very out of touch. Sure. So, yeah, I have faith in you correctly or otherwise. Thanks. It's that weird thing of like, I think us in the USA are the two best teams there, but it's just whether someone doesn't get set in the right sort of spot and we have to play each other early. Yeah. That could be real interesting. It could. Um, it's always a kind of a letdown when you're like, hey, this is the final. Why is it happening a day early? Well, so even the NBA finals this year was basically Milwaukee and Brooklyn, the <laughs> second yeah. round of the playoffs. The finals was halfway into the tournament. Um, right, okay. We, we've we talked about this right before hitting record here, but we're going to be doing some stuff over the next week around kind of people to watch on both sides of the competition. Um, people who we deem to be X factors, or like James just said, the kind of people who could swing an individual game and, and cause some chaos. Um, a group of them will probably just be past bench units, units guests as well to kind of convince you guys to go back and listen to old episodes if you haven't done so already. Yeah. Um, is there anybody right off the top over everything we've covered that you want to call out as the person to watch or the team to watch? Um, well, go team to watch. Like, I just think Japan could cause someone a problem in a crossover. Yep, unless we get Japan in a crossover, in which case, nah, (laughs) I don't mean it. They're um, Japan, Japan have been my dark horse at both, um, at both Rio and the worlds. I I always think about picking Poland for my dark horse, and they always smash it in the group stages, and then they play six players, so by the time the games matter, they're all exhausted. And Oh, shout out to Filipski signing at Albacete, by the way. That's just dropped today, I think, or yesterday. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Um, I that a while ago, but yeah, I didn't know well, it was dropping, so I thought you were just randomly throwing it out there. No, no, no that's cool. They, they announced to say, yeah, I think we've both, know, based on our anyone who listens to these episodes will know how many contacts we have at Amiab, so I think it's probably... Anyone could have guessed that we knew if they knew already. If there was uh, a way for us to like gain a following off knowing who was going somewhere based on rumors, but without it actually like hurting our sources being our friends, like, yeah. um, <laughs> like that'd be great because it's like our sources are just like, hey, I play for this team and we're signing this guy. Like, we've had without being too specific, we've had guests on recently who have been moving teams and they've been like, yeah, you know, there's something in the there's something in the works. I can't tell anyone about it yet. And we, I've been like, hey, I already know, but cool. Um. <laughs> I think we um, we can't be leaking our guest secrets a huge amount, considering that one of the hosts of this podcast is still holding up the news of where they're going, and it's not. Yeah. Me. Well, I've been telling everyone, but I've just not. I just like it's a weird thing where it's like you don't want to like 
put it out there in case the team wants to like release it. But then if it turns out the team are like, well, we don't care, then you look like you think you're way bigger a deal than you do. But yeah, I'm just keeping it quiet because I haven't actually written my name on a page yet. And remember when you signed at Grand Canaria, we didn't even get the exclusive team signing. So we've yeah, I'm got gonna a tell, I'm gonna tell Dylan our business first. processes. Yeah, hey, Dylan, Dylan, sweet talk, man. I'll let you do it again. <laughs> um, right, I think he's getting his masters, by the way. Oh yeah, I heard about that. Yeah, way to go, Dylan. Is Dylan um, covering? what's going on in Tokyo or because I know he went out to world championships. I don't know if things are a bit stricter this time around. Uh, I have no idea. He should be like, I, I, I'm pretty sure he's like not calling the games for channel four, but I'm pretty sure he should be. And that's no disrespect to whoever's doing it, by the way. Um, Dylan, I think Dylan's in the territory at this point. Oh yeah. He's the absolute man. Cool. Anyway, we've done our Dylan bit. We have. All right. Let's get out of here. Um, well, the last time I saw you in person, I said good luck at Tokyo if I don't speak to you beforehand, but I think we both know that's pretty unlikely, even though Tokyo is a lot closer now. So for the benefit of the podcast, I'll say good luck at Tokyo if I don't speak to you beforehand. All right. You but will, pro- but thanks. <laughs> it's all good. Cool. Um, Hit record. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Thanks everybody for listening. We're going to try and ramp up the Paralympic coverage as much as we can in this week leading up to it. If you want to get involved, send us any questions, send us any topics that you kind of want talks about. I don't know what we're going to do in terms of coverage while James is out there because I think the rules are pretty strict. I might bin James off for a few weeks and grab myself a different co-host who's not bound by so many legalities. Um, and then we can talk about what we really think about James. Great. So I look forward to hearing it. <laughs> Can we talk about what we really think about me, whether I'm the host or not? Yes. I've got some I've got some dark thoughts. No. Wicked. I like it. Um, so yeah, thanks for listening, guys. When this episode comes out, get involved. Let us know what you want to hear about during the Paralympics, and we'll do our best to cover it. And if you've got any more thoughts for unlikely disability sporting events, let me know and I'll add them to my list of things to petition. Quadruple amputee football. Cool. <laughs> Take it easy. All right. All the best. Peace out. <laughs>